can't get better than that. Apart from with John, that is. So um, I'm just going to give you a couple of notices um, just so that you're aware of what's coming up. First of all, just to put feelers out there, in a few um, weeks' time, in about six weeks' time, we're going to have um, another baptism gathering. Um, we put these in every term just for the kind of uh, belief and trust and faith that um, there are going to be people that are going to want to, um, in community, declare that they are following Jesus and that they want to be baptized. At the minute, as with last time until about a week to go, we don't have anyone that has sort of said, yet yeah, me, but maybe that is you, you want to get baptized and we just want to uh, be praying into that um, come to August, there is going to be someone that is um, committed and wants to say, yeah, I'm going to be baptized. So just put feelers out there for that, okay? So get praying into that. Um, also, um, as a preparation for you um, emotionally, I think, in two weeks' time, um, we are going to have uh, OH1 visiting us. So this is the 20 to 30s gathering that me and Rachel came from in Loughborough. Thank you. Um, that uh, It's big news, sirens. Um, so they are coming for a whole weekend. They are basically having their um, church weekend, um, kind of their gathering weekend away with us at Caragdor. And so they will be here on the Sunday, which um, we're really excited about. Stacey's going to be uh, speaking, and I think we've even got a band coming over, haven't we? Basically, they're going to take over for us so we can just chill out and enjoy it. It's going to be great. Um, so, uh, yeah, just to emotionally prepare yourself for a bit of chaos in two weeks' time. Um, and then... Um, Finally, um, on Saturday, uh, next Saturday, um, the small group that meet with John and Karen um, are going to be going to Thandona to go and um, serve and love and um, it, get involved with the renovation of the village hall there, um, basically all hands on deck. And that is open to everyone, so it's not just if you're part of that small group. Next Saturday, if you are free and able to go and give an hour or ten, then... Um, then head down and, um, yeah, let's just... There's something really special about um, our connection with Landana, which is amazing that you guys are here as well. Um, just there is this uh, beautiful connection, this natural God connection happening there that um, we just want to love and serve as part of a church into that small uh, community that um, these guys just love and serve so well. Okay. Small groups together isn't this week, though, Rach. It's the week after. Yeah, but that's confusing, isn't it? Rachel wants me to say that not this week, but next week is small groups together. This week is still just small groups. Um, so, yeah, get your head around that one. Um, I'd purposely taken that one out, Rachel, because that's confusing. Um, but there we go. Um, cool. John, can I invite you up? So John's going to be speaking today, continuing our series um, in Nehemiah. Um, and, uh, yeah, John, let me just quickly pray for you. And then we'll get cracking. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray for this man of you. Just pray that the truth and the wisdom that he brings us today will settle and resonate in our hearts. That means that we leave here um, a little bit changed again, aligning ourselves more to you and building your kingdom here on Anglesey. Amen. Hi, guys. My name is John, as he said. Um, my wife, Maria, and I are part of the church plant team here. We moved up to... North Wales about four and a half years ago. We felt a really strong call of God to come up to North Wales. Had a fantastic job, which was the, the hook that got us up here at Bodnock Garden. But we are so privileged to be part of what God is doing in this community, and it's really um, exciting to be here. 
So I was finishing this in a, in a stable this morning, believe it or not, when my wife was feeding the horses and just putting the f- finishing touches as we were singing. So I hope it's fresh, if not anything else. And we- <laughs> Rachel's really set the scene, really. It's, all the songs have been about how faithful God is. And that's what we're focusing on today. God is a faithful God. And what I'm talking about is how can we get right with God, this faithful God? What do we need to what do we need to do to get right with this incredible faithful God? So we've been talking about the stories of Nehemiah and Ezra and how the people had a heart call to come back and rebuild what was lost, what had been trashed, what had been burnt, what had been destroyed. And the story of Nehemiah starts with one man's prayer. A prayer confessing the wrongs that the people had committed. And those wrongs had led his people to defeat and captivity. And in James, it tells us that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And Nehemiah's prayer was one of those prayers. And it was for forgiveness for his people. And it was for favor to rebuild Jerusalem and put an end to the Jewish people's plight and disgrace. God's favor was on Nehemiah. His prayers were answered. And his walk of faith can and should inspire us today, thousands of years later. So this was a really dangerous project Nehemiah set out to do, to rebuild the walls. There were lots of people that wanted him dead that didn't want him to succeed. And the piles of rubble had been burnt, but the walls were completed with divine speed against all the odds and against all the opposition. And we know as a church, when you're trying to build something, you come across all kinds of opposition from outside and from, believe it or not, within inside. But when that was completed, the Jewish remnant that were in the land all gathered together and asked Ezra, as we found out last week, to read the book of the law to them. And God's spirit was moving and the people were ready to respond. Hopefully like us this morning. Now, deep conviction and grief came on the people because they'd realized how far they drifted away from God. But surprisingly, Nehemiah commanded the people to celebrate and feast for seven days. And that's what we were talking about last week, the importance of celebrating. Then comes chapter 9, which is me. So I think this is the defining moment, the turning point, really, when that vision, when that prayer, where that confession of one man suddenly becomes a corporate vision and the prayer and confession of a nation. So after those seven days of celebrating, the people fasted and they humbled themselves for the serious business of reconciliation, getting right with this faithful God. To go forwards, they needed to put things right and deal with the issues and failures of the past. So this week is about the rubber hitting the road. And I've got two questions which I'm hoping to, to help answer. One, what do I need to get right with God? Two, how can I experience God in a more intimate, powerful, and life-changing way? And that's what we see at work in this story. I haven't got any slides, but I want to try and use our minds, and forgive me for this, but I want you to imagine, if you can, for a moment, two images. Now, the first image is of a low-resolution, black-and-white, silent movie. 
and it's flickering in a dark theater. And on the screen, there's scenes of a bygone age playing out in staccato as frames race through the noisy projector and a cloud of dancing dust is lit up in the single beam of light. I hope you can sort of picture that. So this first picture, I want to say, represents an old, quaint, but now outdated and irrelevant faith in today's world. It tells of an old-fashioned and now long-distant flickering memory of a god, tired religious rules, no real revelation or spiritual understanding, and certainly no power to change anyone, let alone the world. Things have moved on and left this faith behind. Now if you can imagine a different picture. Imagine a high-resolution color cinematic film screened on a huge cinema with surround sound. The bass notes of the atmospheric music vibrating against your ribcage and your heart racing as the story unfolds. It's new, it's exciting, it's relevant, it's challenging, it's groundbreaking and set to transform fashions and thinking. So I want to say this represents a vibrant, powerful, but equally intimate and close God, offering freedom from addictions, worry and guilt. This God brings joy and understanding and power to be transformed and to transform the world. You can't wait to share what you've experienced with everyone you meet. So the question is, which image is more like your current view of faith? And the second question, which image is the one you would like to experience in your journey of faith? If it's the first one, then I beg you to resist the urge to run out and grab a cup of tea and to carry on with your black and white life outside. But if it is the second one, then I do challenge you to start seeking God with all your mind and with all your heart. And be open to him speaking to you in new ways and even this morning. So, getting right with God. I think it's the same for all of us, no matter what our background. Now, you can be dramatically saved from life's scrap heap. We have, uh, Marie and I, good Christian friends who had struggled with drug addictions for more than 20 years, who are now free. Marie and I ourselves come from a, quite a messed up, dysfunctional, broken family background with painful, broken relationships. And kind of we were rescued off the scrap heap of life by God. But I think you can equally be saved and salvaged from a life of material and emotional prosperity. But what is the same for both is that without God's spirit and without his life, without his joy, there will be a deep sense of longing for something of worth, something that is meaningful and something that will last. Whatever we use to fill that gap won't work unless it's the real thing, which is that intimate and loving relationship with our creator. Now, Nehemiah 9 records an incredible transformation moment when a whole nation is rescued from life's scrap heap and meets with God in a powerful way. I should think it would have been electrifying. So after the seven days of feasting, 
the people prepared themselves by deliberately humbling themselves by abstaining from food and putting on pretty shabby clothes, sackcloth, to indicate their state of spiritual poverty and distress, having lost this sense of intimacy with God. And our encounters with God, I think, require us to do the same. We have to humbly accept that he is God and that we have actually fallen short of his expectations. We need to be real and just come empty-handed and with open hearts to receive his word. Whatever state we're in, acknowledging where we're at and coming clean are essential if we're to move forward. So next we find the people spent the next three hours reading the book of the law. Not many amens or hallelujahs. <laughs> they spent that time reminding themselves of this faithful God. What he had done for them, what he had instructed them to do, and how he had tried to shape them into this holy people who would love and worship him. They acknowledged every example of how faithful God had been to them, despite repeated failures and unfaithfulness on their behalf. We sang earlier, your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. It's the same God today. Verse 17 in chapter 9 says, But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. So the second stage of getting right with God, after receiving God's word with open hearts and open hands, is to review the good news of God's faithfulness, of his love and his grace and his mercy. We need to thank God for who he is and the times he's blessed us and forgiven us. We need to come with faith and expectation that he is a good God and he loves us and he cares for us. He's our provider and he's our protector no matter what we've done, no matter how we failed. So after that, the Jews started to acknowledge where they'd messed up. They confessed their individual sins and the sins of their fathers, which had caused them to go into captivity. They confessed to their stubbornness and arrogance, their corporate disobedience to the law, they admitted to their repeated rejection and murder of God's prophets that he'd sent to them to try and turn them back. And they admitted to numerous occasions when they'd committed blasphemy and worshipped and served other gods. So they received God's word and open hearts with open hearts and hands. They re reviewed the good news about God's unfailing faithfulness. And then they reviewed the bad news and confessed to a whole catalogue of evil and unholy things they'd committed. Now, whether we think we've missed the mark by a narrow margin or by a massive distance, in some ways it's all the same. We've all still missed the mark, which the Bible calls sins. Romans says, For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. And I was thinking this morning, some of us might need to confess the sins of our parents and grandparents if they were involved in anything that brought us into a spiritually dark place. 
when we were growing up. Or maybe occult involvement, or even things like anger or hatred or racism or other things that your, maybe your parents or grandparents were influenced by that still has a, sh a shadow over you and influences you. Some of us may need to confess and renounce involvement in worshipping foreign gods, and we can do this inadvertently out of ignorance sometimes, um, even if not deliberately. Many Christians seem to be unaware that things like yoga or Freemasonry, celebrating Halloween or, you know, even things like acupuncture and involvement with the martial arts are very often steeped in pagan practices and worship and bowing down to foreign gods. In Hosea, it says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge and a people without understanding will come to ruin. And as we read God's word, these things become clearer. What, are, what is right and wrong? What, what is true worship and what isn't? What gets in the way? And finally, after reviewing all that stuff and confessing, they worshipped God who had graciously accepted their humble confession and their open hearts. He'd seen their desire, that they wanted to turn their lives around and seek a new relationship with a loving God. God had given them a second chance and the opportunity for a new start. We were singing this morning, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. There is nothing can separate us from your great love. I call out to you again and again. And all through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. So they responded with worship. They realized where they were at. They realized who God was. They confessed to their sins, and then they were worshipped God. So what do I need to get right with God? Receive his word with an open heart and open hands. Review the good news. Focus on God's faithfulness, his love, his grace, and mercy, which gives us the faith to turn to him with expectation. Review the bad news. Confess and admit that we've messed up, no matter how embarrassing or ugly those things are. And respond by worshipping God, not just in singing a few songs, but devoting your life as an act of worship, putting God above all other things. So the second question, how can I experience God in a more intimate, powerful, and life-changing way? Start right now and put those into practice and continue every day doing the same. Transformation takes place when with clean hearts, clean hands, and a clean conscience, we persevere in this daily life of devotion and discipleship. We become more surrendered to the promptings and regenerative influence of the God's Holy Spirit. We start to see more of our prayers answered. We'll witness more supernatural signs and wonders. We'll be a more powerful witness to the people and communities around us. And our experience of worship will be more intimate and powerful. God's word will become alive and transforming, and a source of daily inspiration. Yes, we still all mess up regularly, 
But God is a faithful God who tenderly and gently is able to reinstate and recommission us. A faithful God requires a faithful people to serve and partner with him. And I think God this morning is calling us back to him, calling us to turn around and to faithfully obey and love him. I'll finish with two more images, which I wonder if you can try and picture as well. They speak of a life before we come to Jesus, and the other, the transformation that takes place when we accept his gift of salvation and new life and put into practice these things. So first of all, I want you to imagine your favorite outdoor space. I'm a gardener, so it would probably be a garden, but it might be different for all of you. So when you've decided on a place, try and imagine a small chrysalis somewhere in that space. Now, it may be attached to a blade of grass, a branch of a tree, or on some other kind of structure. But it's a chrysalis. What does it look like? Chrysalises appear dead and static. They're alone in the universe. They're dull colors reflecting the earthy environment it's attached to. To the outside world, the chrysalis looks dead, but deep inside, there is an incredible and miraculous transformation taking place. The chrysalis desires to become a butterfly and escape the confines of its drab and lifeless prison. So next, try and imagine the chrysalis with a brand new butterfly emerging. The butterfly slowly emerges, the head first and finally the wings and body. Fragile and vulnerable, but trembling with new life and excitement. The butterfly needs to rest in order for its wings to dry and to contemplate its new life ahead. But despite a total transformation, the butterfly still carries a reflection of the two worlds it represents. It has drab wings on the undersides of its lacy wings. The drab colors visible when stationary, just like the drab chrysalis destined for a terrestrial life near the ground. But then, snapping its wings open, Suddenly a display of vibrant colors, a beautiful creature destined to be free and to fly. Free to fly and search out beautiful flowers and the sweet energizing nectar tasting so much better than anything imaginable. It's free to fly to search out other butterflies to complete the cycle of, of life. Now these images describe the transformation of a sinner into a saint. Ephesians says, and I'm adding some words, like the drab chrysalis, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, just like the emerging butterfly, even when we were dead in transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms. And in Corinthians it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Unlike butterfly chrysalis, humans need to be released by the hand of God, gently peeling away the outer shroud, breathing new spiritual life into us and releasing us to fly. Timothy, in the book of Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you 
through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And if you think of those fanning into flames like a butterfly's wings, as butterflies, we need to exercise our wings to fan into flames the, God, the gifts God has put in us. And when we do this, we will start to fly. So which picture would you think best describes your spiritual reality? The chrysalis, the earthbound drab butterfly, or the nectar-seeking airborne creature of beauty? And the second question is, which one would you most like to be like? Isaiah, the prophet, said, This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. David in the psalm said, You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. In the New Testament, in 1 John, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And finally, in 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Nehemiah's repentance and prayers spread to become the confession and earnest prayers of a whole nation. Let us follow this example and spread our wings of faith to pursue a life where we experience God in more intimate, powerful, and life-changing ways. Let our prayer this morning be that this small group of ordinary people be transformed from a black and white movie into a technicolor, from drab chrysalises into beautiful butterflies as we respond to God's word and his spirit, bringing transformation to this island and ultimately play our part in restoring the people of God in this nation. Thank you. That's really good, John. I think um, I'm going to try something now. Sorry, I was frantically typing away there, trying to make notes to um, to lead us through something now. So, if if you're okay with this, I'm going to um, try and lead us through a little bit of a reflectional prayer on what John's just brought for us to actually ground this now in our lives. Because I think it's so easy for us to hear like this truth, this uh, amazing stuff that John has brought. Um, but for us to kind of go away, yeah, I really agree with that. And then we go away and we just carry on sitting in our chrysalis. Or we carry on kind of watching our maybe not quite black and white film, but kind of, you know, our TV with the big box at the back rather than our 4K TV. Um, so um, I don't have a 4K TV, but there we go. So um, how do we become the butterfly in new life seeking beauty? 
So what I'm going to do is, um, if you uh, are okay with this, close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. Maybe you would like to put out your hands or just sit in a way that um, you remove kind of distraction, remove temptation. Maybe there's something um, in your hands that you just need to put down. Maybe there's um, kind of you need to put your feet really flat on the floor so that you're not tempted to kick around. Just first of all, let's just spend a moment just to remove the, the distractions, the temptations, the, the things that stop us from fully focusing. And as we sit in this place, you might want to start to think about your breathing just as a way to kind of center yourself again. Become really aware on all that is happening so that you can recognize, yet yeah, there are other noises, there are other things happening, but I'm now centered on you, Jesus. Maybe as you breathe in, you say the word Yah, and as you breathe out, you say Way. In your mind, there is a Yah, Way. Yahweh. Yahweh being the name of God. So just with our very breath, that we are able to speak the word of God, the name of God. So how do we become the butterfly in new life, seeking beauty? What is our current view of faith? And what do we desire our view of faith, our daily devotion to Jesus, our apprenticeship in practicing the ways of Jesus? What does that look like? So the first step is, what do we need to get right with God? Begin to bring to mind some things that you need to just put before Father. How can you experience God in new life-changing ways? Begin to ask God, how can I go from black and white to technicolor? So in this moment, you might be starting to get pictures. There might be words. You might be walking on a journey or it might just be a static image. Just allow those things to come further into the forefront of your mind.
just to say, if you don't feel as though there's anything coming to mind, that's absolutely fine. I don't have anything coming to mind either. But just begin to ask God more, what do I need to get right with you? And the next step is reviewing the good things. Begin in your heart to, and your mind to bring things together that thank God for all he has done. Begin to thank God for the good things in your life, for the things that bring you joy, that bring you life, that bring you hope, that bring you contentment. Begin to celebrate those. And then with those, begin to bring to mind some of the things that you know you need to confess. That you know where you've gone wrong. These might be generational sin. Things that have been passed on to you from generation to generation. An attachment to, to money, to sex, to power, to apathy. Begin to just release those. You might want to visualize yourself carrying them in a box that you lay before the cross. And then finally, as John shared, the people, after they'd settled themselves to get right with God, they'd listened to the word, they'd celebrated the good things, they'd fasted and confessed the bad things. They then responded in worship. And now, you might, like me, have not really engaged in that too much. I was stood here. That's absolutely fine. Don't feel as though, oh, I didn't feel anything, everything else. Everyone else has been really holy. Don't think that. That is okay. But you might have had stuff come up there that actually you need to process more, that you need to take more time, like three and a half minutes won't deal with some of that stuff. 
But I just want to encourage you to um, maybe go away and, and kind of reflect on this again. Go to your small groups, chat about this. Um, discipler, go for coffee with someone to chat through these things. Or um, uh, I'll be over here, um, and I'm sure that Karen or John will and Seaned will um, be over here as well, and we'd be more than happy to pray for you. If, um, yeah, you just want some more intentional, just kind of like, actually, I just really want someone to help me um, journey this to... Um, to yeah, intercess for me, then um, yeah, do come find us. We'd be happy to pray. But um, we're going to finish by responding in worship. Um, great. Is that okay?